Welcome, you gorgeous lockdown lot, to episode 146 of Near Perfect Pitch. As is the norm, a loaded programme, three hours plus worth of tunes, regular features and an interview at the end of the programme, which I know you'll enjoy. It's brought to you by Stephen Barnes, Thousand Yard Stare and the McVitie's Dark Chocolate Digestive. Yes, Thousand Yard Stare have got a new record out. It's brilliant and I'm talking to them at the end of the programme. You can also look forward to a litany. Yes, an absolute plethora of new releases. Uh, our usual features, which are as follows. Essential Wax, Weekly Peel, Obligatory Fall R, Cover Me, Tune This. This week's hat-trick has been replaced by a brace. So that's coming up in the next, uh, how long? Oh, that's coming up in about five, ten minutes, actually. And let's uh, kick things off with this absolute gem, shall we? <laughs> Won't you please 
the Manchester past and present for you. That's a single from 2017. That's um, Manchester's WH Lung, whlung.bandcamp.com. And before that, New Order from 83's Power, Corruption and Lies, lead track, Age of Consent. Two songs in to episode 146 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thanks for joining me. I can tell you that you can be uh, looking forward to hearing some of the following. In actual fact, I can promise you you can hear all of the following. Some Modest Mouse, some Act, some Midlake, some Sunflower, Become the Sky, Lathams, uh, Dress Tech, my goodness me, amidst tons of new releases, all the regular features, and an interview with Stephen Barnes, He of Thousand Yard Stare, new album that uh, is out and it is a thing to be reckoned with. We'll talk more about that as we uh, proceed closer down the line of three hours, which constitutes near perfect pitch on a weekly basis. Now, what's coming up next? I can tell you quite confidently that uh, in lieu of a hat trick, we've got a brace, a brace no less. And uh, this is a brace that's related to felt. Yes, the fabric.
There's a thematic brace there for you, a felt brace. That was felt, a single from 1984, on Cherry Red Records. Sunlight bathed the golden glow, preceded by the first in the brace, Cloth, with a tune called Felt. That's uh, a relative new release, a title track to this year's self-titled debut. Last Night from Glasgow.com is the record label that they're on, and uh, stay tuned, as you should be anyway, for future episodes. 
big, big uh, special feature of the label that is Last Night from Glasgow is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Let's go back to Manchester, shall we? And uh, here's a mate of mine. Here's Periscope.
like rains of water Drifting down the coastal line The ship was cheered and the harbor clear Sailing with the spirit inside And I'm sure I heard a Spaniard preaching Something from the page of rhyme But the meaning got lost in a six-foot frog Captivated starboard side Feels like I'm dreaming, dreaming that I'm diving Diving for sunken treasure Feels like I'm dreaming, dreaming that I'm diving Diving for sunken treasure Like a zigzag over the sea Until we hit the tropics And my thoughts tend to focus on something Under the reef And the captain thought I was dreaming the captain had a dream in his eye There were feasts of gold in our wooden household The night we made the precious die Feels like I'm dreaming Dreaming that I'm diving Diving for sunken treasure been bemoaning the fact that uh, Hooten Tennis Club have had this extended sabbatical and wanted them to come back and uh, they're back that's Monsoonal Runoff that is a brand new single by the lads from the Wirral and uh, you can procure that at the usual uh, litany of places online and uh, it's a double A side with people want people who want people uh, again Hooten Tennis Club brand new single double A side and uh, Monsoonal Runoff is its name welcome back lads follow me down before that by Periscope Periscope the number four dot bandcamp.com to learn more about that this is now the time and the place for this week's weekly peel it's a bit of ubifarti
The Closer You Move Away From Me. That's Trash Can Sinatra's latest single from them, TrashCanSinatra's.com. What a band they are. They've been on the programme before. And I should uh, probably segue into mentioning that, of course, this is a podcast, isn't it? And this is episode 146. If you're new to the programme, welcome. You've got 145 to catch up on of which one features Trash Can Sinatra's. I'll name drop uh, artist interviews from, from time to time. That was way back when, though. That was, uh, crikey, that must have been in the, in the 80s or 70s, way back when. Um, not uh, the 1970s or 80s, the episode 70s or 80s. Anyway, do go back in time and, and uh, examine past episodes because there's lots of interesting folk that I've had uh, on the programme. Not necessarily me, it's the people I have and the music I play. Anyway, what's coming up next? Brand new single by uh, The Wolfhounds. Now, the Wolfhounds have got uh, a new LP coming out on the 3rd of July called Electric Music. Thewolfhounds.bandcamp.com. This is a teaser single for the new forthcoming LP. Shout it out, tell 
my oh my that's good stuff that's the sound from 1981 and i will come back to the sound in a matter of moments before i uh, chunter on with this week's essential wax which is the sound i'll tell you that before that we heard the wolfhounds can't see the light latest and uh, greatest from them a teaser track to the new forthcoming lp electric music which is coming out on july the 3rd the wolfhounds.bandcamp.com for that one now it's time for this week's essential wax another special feature if you are new to the program we feature uh, essential wax an essential must-have lp of the week and this week it is the sound from the lion's mouth from 1981 and uh, each and every week the essential wax feature is brought to you by the wonderful folk at everything indie over 40.com uh, a music community that uh, I, I love i love a bit of banter and i love a bit of quiz work and i love a bit of a trivia they are really really good at what they do get involved and have some fun with lots and lots of other music lovers the globe over everything indie over 40.com so that was the sound um with a tune called sense of purpose and this week's essential wax is as briefly mentioned from the lion's mouth from 1981 on Corova records fronted by the deceased and uber talented adrian borland it's their second lp it was recorded in wales at rockfield studios and produced by hugh jones here is a single from 1981 and the lp's lead track it's a beauty it's called winning
football music. That's Dress Tech. And that is a tune that's off this year's Ascension LP, preceded by the second of two tunes off this week's Essential Wax, the sounds from the lion's mouth we heard winning from 1981. What a fantastic band the sound were. Honestly, do get into it and uh, delve through their very, very colourful past and snag what you can. I think Spotify have got a load of uh, sound material up there. Anyway, do discover the sound or indeed rediscover the sound. Let's go to Toronto now. Uh, down the way here, about five hours down the motorway. And here's a frame of reference from uh, Drugstore Romeos. It's their second single from earlier this year.
Liverpool's Seatbelts with a single from March. We are seatbelts.bandcamp.com. Before that, we heard from Toronto. Drugstore Romeo is their second single. That's a beautiful little song that is called Frame of Reference, facebook.com slash drugstore Romeos. Another special feature lined up right now. This week's obligatory fall oh, track is Hollow Mind.
Aggression is a predisposition of a pacifist movement Suppressing the argumentative Why can't you see me now? Cause I am made of stone And it feels as though I'm lost in the catacombs I've got nowhere to go Should I seek refuge in the nearest hostile home? my words this lot will be massive that's the lathams they're from wigan and i'm remiss for having not played them earlier i've been listening to them for quite some time facebook.com slash the lathams they're on modern sky records just signed to uh, universal i believe and the future is mega mega bright for them that's a tune called the great escape before that from their 22nd lp are you our missing winner from 2001 that's the fall 
with our weekly instalment, our obligatory fall oh, track, Hollow Mind. Now it's time for some Sunflower.
That's Rain Down, that's Liverpool's Become the Sky, from their double A side, written in the stars, Rain Down, becomethesky.bandcamp.com to learn more about them. And before that, beautiful tune by Brisbane Sunflower, their latest single, Better Days, was the name of that tune. It's time for this week's Cover Me now, this week's cover version. And this one is uh, by Nottingham's Peter Hall, having a, go at, uh, having a go at the jam and doing a damn good job at the same time.
Nothing changes till I'm 
That's the latest single from Edinburgh indie merchants Rest. That's Rest with a W W R E S T. A perfectly spherical world. Rest.bandcamp.com. And before we heard that, we heard uh, our uh, cover version this week, Cover Me, by Peter Hall from Nottingham. And that's his crack at English Rose by The Jam and a very, very sound effort. That was indeed single from 2019, peterhallmusic.bandcamp.com to follow his works. The New Fools next. Oh, Stephen, why? and shy in a small town where I was struggling to breathe failing to thrive unbefriended alone unknowing unknown barely half a person until you came along so please tell me why you spout malevolent spite Words so wounded I won't go out tonight Oh why, why, why Have you gone so awry? Are you so uncaring? Was the old you merely alive? I was lost You showed me the way When school was so cruel You made it okay You gave me the words That I needed to say Provided direction Made me feel less afraid So please tell me why Are you all dead inside? Do you lack compassion? Is it easier to despise? You can dribble some more You old reactionary poor But the world won't listen You have nothing to say about my life Spaces in my diary 
Super Furry Animals of 1997's Radiator on Creation Records. That's Demons, preceded by, from Cambridge, a single from uh, last year, The New Fools, thenewfools.bandcamp.com, and uh, them singing quite succinctly about uh, how Stephen Patrick Morrissey has categorically lost the plot. Oh, Stephen, why? The name of that song by The New Fools. Tune this now, boys and girls. Time to uh, parade around with reckless abandon to a banger.
single from 2006 on Bella Union Records. That's Midlake with Roscoe. And uh, we heard before that this week's Tunis DMAs from Australia. Absolute clanging band they are. And that's uh, from 2018's For Now LP and a tune called Break Me. We're getting close to the end of the programme. And by the end of the programme, I mean interview time with Stephen Barnes, uh, courtesy of the McVitie's Dark Chocolate Digestive. Could we talk to Stephen about uh, Thousand Yard Stairs' triumphant return after 27 years? Brilliant record. And you're going to hear some fruits of that later in the programme in about 15, 20 minutes or so. Next up, Alone, Jealous and Stoned. Not a good combination, really.
just waking up to all the joy that you've outgrown. Memories I can't erase, alone, jealous and stone.
Claudia Brooken and uh, Thomas Lear, known as ACT, featuring on uh, Laughter, Tears and Rage on ZTT Records. I can't escape from you. And before that, the rather lengthy Alone, Jealous and Stoned by Secret Machines, single from 2005 off their second LP, Ten Silver Drops. One more song before we get into a triple shot, shot, shot of Thousand Yard Stare material. And the interview with Stephen, which is not to be missed. Anyway, before we hear that, let's hear this by Modest Mouse.
the lead track to 1991's Keepsake EP. That's Buttermouth by Thousand Yard Stare, getting you in the mood for an interview with Stephen, which is coming up in a matter of minutes. One more song to play before I get into an interview with the man himself. Let's hear something from 1993's Mappa Mundi, Tragedy Number no. 6. Stephen, incidentally, chose all three of the songs that I'm playing by Thousand Yard Stare. Tragedy 
Tragedy number six, that's Thousand Yard Stare off 1993's Mappamundi LP. Now it's time to have a chat, yes, myself and Stephen Barnes. Uh, and that's brought to you by uh, the McVitie's Dark Chocolate Digestive, by the way. And uh, I'm going to be chatting with him right now. Enjoy this. And I'll be back to play one more song by Thousand Yard Stare before I trundle on my way. Hello, Stephen. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you keeping? I'm pretty good, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, all things considered, obviously strange times, but uh, keeping busy. You can say that again. Yeah, unprecedented times, <laughs> but but uh, I would imagine you have time on, on one's hands as a result of uh, what's going on. Well, I'll be there for a second. Say again, please. I was going to say, I would imagine that you've got uh, more time than usual on one's hands uh, uh, by virtue of what's been going on. Well, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, but I'm, um, I'm a university lecturer as well, part of my study hat that I wear, and it's been quite busy yeah. as we're approaching the end of term and taking a university online in two weeks was a test, I'll say, but uh, yeah, it's all going okay, so yeah, it's pretty much um, pretty much uh, business as usual, to be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> getting everything ready for the album launch and everything, so yeah, pretty busy as it goes. Well, I, I'm, I'm really... As a fan, I'm I'm just delighted that that you're back. Um, it's been it's been a long it's been a long time since the first stifled Aardvark record. That's for sure. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, what kind of thing was that? Been 1990 was really the first. Well, our first ever actual release was a cassette in Easter '89. Uh, what to be titled was Easter '89. That's how I know. Um, so yeah, we're we're, um, we're we're thirty years in basically <laughs> into this game. So uh, yeah, it's been a long time. That must uh, obviously it's our first album for twenty-seven years. So that's it. Yeah, quite an uh, quite an occasion. Well, exactly. It's quite a sabbatical, nearly three decades. It makes it sound like you've been doing Sweet Fanny Adams, but of course that's not the case. <laughs> no, um, all I mean, all everyone in the band is doing busy. Yeah, we took two uh, spaces, took some time out after nineteen ninety. And yeah. kind of, you know, so I got away from us a little bit, you know, we had to tend to, you know, look after, the, look after the chickens and all that, you know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> took a while to get get back in the groove. Families and careers, that's exactly what happens to us all, that's I think. That's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if, we, if you care to, to rewind rewind uh, the tape here to, to, to some of the, uh, well, the halcyon days, if you like, not 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 that what's forthcoming is, is, is not going to be glorious, but it's going to, it's, it's, diff- it's a vastly different music industry that we live in, of course. And, oh, it and, and, now, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> But uh, go go back to the days when you were these wonderfully fierce indie outsiders that eschewed seemingly everything and anything in terms of fashion and style, and just did your own thing. And and uh, I used to love I used to love how the music press used to handle you because you were like a hot potato. I think um, didn't didn't quite know where to slot you, as it were. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably that's probably the the. You know, if we had a, a two-line two uh, Wikipedia uh, page, that's probably what it would sum up perfectly. Yeah, I guess we were always um, really fitted in anywhere particular um, as a band. Um, that could be partly just the kind of people we were, or maybe coming from a strange town like Slough. Uh, there wasn't really any kind of music scene, so to speak. So I guess we had nothing to really base anything on other than our own sort of feelings, really. So it was a real collection of just of all our own sort of musical love. We kind of came together around a, a venue called the Old Trout in Windsor. Yes. Um, which was our sort of nearest town. We were very fortunate. I mean, I was working there. I was running an indie 
into disco night, if you like, on I think like Thursday night, um, the psychic dance hall, and uh, and then sort of Friday and Saturday nights were sort of band nights, if you like, and then you know the, as you know the scene started to really build up quite a lot at that point, and um, we were quite fortunate where we were geographically because um, we're not that far from London, and what we used to find was that music press were constantly hammered for only ever doing reviews in London. Yes. So one of the nearest places they could send a reviewer to, which wasn't London, was, was Windsor. <laughs> so we ended up with a lot of the big hot bands coming through. So, you know, I was working at the venue, you know, we had, you know, Teenage Fan Club and, you know, there was sort of new hot band like Kirk coming through Birdland and Carter and, you know, The High, all these kind of, these bands, these bands you read about in the press, if you like, you yes, know. Yes, yes. And they were playing in our local 200 capacity venue. Um, this kind of gave us a bit of a, a bit of a base, really, and I guess a bit of a, a break for us, really, was the fact that you know because we had such a close connection with the place, we managed to finally wheedle our way onto you know supporting a few sort of slightly bigger bands, if you like, and um, I guess it gave us a little bit of extra exposure, really. Um, and with, with not much going on in the area, I guess we got a little bit of a kind of a local hero tag quite quite yes. early on. Yes, yes, and that really right. kind of helped to. Uh, to kind of get us going, if you like. And then there was obviously the wider scene, when, you know, what's called the Thames Valley scene, you know, with, um, you know, uh, like the Ride and, and all these sort of those, those, the shoegaze bands and stuff like that um, as well. So I guess there were, there were eyes in the general vicinity, if you like. So yes. I guess all these things kind of created a, a, a strange storm, one we weren't expecting, but uh, one we, we got swept up in. But it's brilliant. And wasn't the old trout where Saint Etienne and the guys were hanging out as well? Yeah, I mean, we we uh, I mean, I kind of, we kind of vaguely knew those guys. I mean, it was funny times really because uh, alongside all of this, we had you know the sort of the you know, the acid house explosion as well, and yeah. Wizard was quite a focal point of that. You know, uh, Weatherall was running Full Monty uh, club night, um, and you know it wasn't unusual for us to. You know, be watching indie bands in you know in the first part of the week or later in the week, and then then go to go to a, a full on repetitive beach night later on in the week. You know, yes, and that was just kind of normal. It was that was just what was available. So it was your you know, normal. Like in those days, you went to what was around. You know, so yes. we had quite a strange mix, I guess, of influences because of that. I think that's just very fortuitous that you were geographically uh, situated in a place that that, that uh, was very parochial, got a very good cross section of, of of the talent that was that was doing the rounds of the country, and it became the norm for you, I suppose, which is which is lovely. It sounds like sounds like really heady days. Yeah, well, obviously at the time you don't really see it that way. It's only when you look back and you realise how fortunate. I mean, I mean, I'm a I'm a university lecturer now, and I do my, I lecture about music business, so. In obviously comparing the old ways of the business to the to the new paradigms that were around, just seeing what opportunities, you know, it's, I don't say there's less or more. I just think it's it's almost incomparable in the way that we consume music or find out about things that we've become passionate about. It's a lot more of a uh, a passive, a kind of a, a a passive osmosis of music now, rather than a very active. Um, you know, you found your niche, what you were into, and you had to work quite hard to you know, get the records, read about stuff in the press, go to the shows, buy the tickets, all that kind of thing. It was a very, very physical process, I guess. Exactly. There's a lot of differences. I I love your analogy of the passive osmosis. It's so true. I mean, I used to be in the industry myself and, and, uh, and, 
I, 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 I love and still love many, many aspects about it, and there are other aspects which uh, were abhorrent, to be frank. Uh, but I, I, I live vicariously through my children like a lot of us do. And this passive osmosis that you've alluded to is unequivocally the way by which they consume. And uh, it's, a, it, it's a whole different uh, dynamic whereby I fumble. I fumble with the... And this is this is my own personal struggle, of, of course. But I fumble with the with the aspect of not actually owning music, having it in the cloud and accessible to me is still something I can't quite get my little head around. Uh, whereby um, it's there, it's available. You can listen to sixty five percent of all God God's green earth content on Spotify, should you wish. But it's it is no 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 way in in, in any way the same as rocking up to your record shop with a, with a few quid in your pocket and, and taking a punt on something on a Monday uh, by virtue of its artwork glaring at you or something you've heard on Peel. You know, the, the physical mm. aspect of the, the hunt, which I think you've alluded to as well, is, is, uh, is irreversibly... Uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's done. <laughs> it's gone. Those, yeah. days, those days are over, yeah, I'm I sure. So. I'd, lo I'd love to it's sit in... It's a different relationship, isn't it? I think that's the thing. You know, it's... Uh, you know, uh, young, you know, people the age that I was when we started out. Now, um, you know, just have a very different kind of relationship with with music. I don't. I generally don't think that there's any less love or any less uh, passion. I just think that it's um, it, it's uh, you know the, the, the two sides of it. Was, whereas you know you felt much more con maybe we felt more connected because of the effort we had to put in. You know, I used to collect everyone up and say, right, who wants to go and see you know the wedding present in yeah. London, and then one of us would go on the train to buy the tickets, physical tickets, and start bringing box office, bringing them back, and we'd all wait five weeks, we didn't have mobile phones, <laughs> we would agree to meet at a particular station, you know, that part of it, and maybe I'm just nostalgic about it, if I had another option to just do it online, I probably would have taken it, I guess, but um, I suppose looking back at it, you know, it was all part of the process of being a fan, it was kind of like... So maybe there's just different ways that, that people show that now. Uh, I mean, this current pandemic is a good, good example. I work with a lot of <clears throat> up-and-coming artists and stuff. And just actually seeing the support that their families, and the, the fact that they can get that support because of the internet so quickly and so available, um, you know, it's, um, it's very heartening, you know, I think. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not to the, to the new ways of the industry, one of the reasons I, I, I now teach it is because I'm constantly learning, I'm still working it, and uh, it gives me a good good reason to keep up to date with how, you know, new technologies are, you know, um, helping, not so much hindering, you know, but helping yes. uh, everything from music creation to delivery to, you know, uh, the relationship with a fan base. It's much more, you know, artist, you know, it's direct to fan as the kind of model that everyone speaks of now. There's no kind of, uh, if you like, record label stroke management uh, barrier, really, or even media barrier, really, between between an artist being able to get their art out. And I think it's fantastic. I work with a lot of what you might call sort of super niche kind of music, you know, quite a wide taste of very odd stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe coming to live in Bristol made that even worse. But, um, but, you know, I work with artists who, you know, do weird techno drone or something like that and they they can make a living because they've got 20,000 fans over the world because they've got the internet so they can they, obviously pandemic aside they can tour around Europe all summer you know they sell records they sell t-shirts you know um, but because 
you know, it was just the UK or just their kind of immediate vicinity, they probably have 50 fans, you know. So there's kind of upsides to it. But I do tend to agree with you that, you know, I still, I mean, I literally, literally yesterday, we just got our new, the vinyl for the album came in. Oh, lovely. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had a little wobble. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> did. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got it in your hand and there's, 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 there's sleeve notes and you've got a spine and it's beautiful artwork. And yeah, exactly. Well, it's lovely that I'm not the only... Uh, uh, only, only moribund, uh, emotional type when it comes to when it comes to the demise of, of the physical energy expended to get something. <laughs> Whereas now it's it's completely effortless. Yeah, I think yeah, I do think that. But then also maybe for some people they can just go deeper or quicker. You know, everything's faster now. Let's be honest. So maybe it's just uh, you know we work to we 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 never got out of third gear really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, I uh, don't know. It's all it's all it's all entirely subjective and, and personal, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, was... I mean, I think I've always been quite positive about all of these things. I mean, maybe because I've always stayed in the industry. You know, I've done so many different things from still do promotion for labels, still work with them, uh, lots of labels like, you know, Heavenly Records and people like that, you know. Yeah. It's, it's great to still be working with these, you know, these, these great people, you know, people like Jeff Barrett, I mean, they're just a tour de force, you know, still going, constantly adapting. This industry's always had to adapt to new technologies and new ways, so what, what I care about is, like, is the quality of the music good and if it's being delivered in a way that makes someone feel something special, you know? That's it. Um, I don't always like everything, you know, like we all do. We all have our own tastes, but I think I'm very good at recognising the difference now between something which is, to put it honestly, authentic or fake, I think is the only way. Yes, uh, I mean, One thing as a band we've always been is completely authentic in everything we do. And I think, actually, if you think back to the times we were, when we were talking about, that was kind of one thing, in a way, kind of went against us. We were quite kind of just honest. Yes. We weren't really up for playing any particular game, you know, you know, trying to sort of uh, play up to any kind of, uh, you know, position that, you know, an NME or, a, or Radio 1 particularly wanted from us. We just did our thing and went, there you go, that's it, take it or leave it, and we'll give you honest answers to everything. And maybe that wasn't really the game at the time. I, I agree. I agree 100%. You know, in my, my position as a, an avid reader from cover to cover for all the press, and, and it, was, it, was, it was abundantly clear that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, the chat, that you were somewhat uncategorizable and, and uh, uh, there was a lot of lazy journalism associated with you because uh, they were, well, of course, by virtue of being a lot of lazy journalists, primarily, but but also it was it was just too much effort to actually put you as a part of a scene. Then Manchester came along, and then no one knew what to do with you. Yeah, I guess that I guess that was the case. I mean, I'd say I mean, I, although we had a, a, such a wide range of influences within the band when we started, and I think a lot of bands do. You know, you you stand, you, you end up with a band that you kind of have out of a, out of a geographical and sort of social reasons, if you like. You know, you start that. I mean, the reason we all got together as a band was, at the end of the day, is the one thing that we all did was we always go and watch the Wonder stuff. You know, another band called the Sand Kings who never quite made it. Oh, they were great, weren't they? It was the one thing that kind of held us all together. So the first song we ever did in the rehearsal room was a cover version of of the Wonder stuff song. Uh, And I wasn't going to be a singer, I was a guitarist. Uh, I think Sean was kind of making a play to be the singer or we were going to look for one. But because I was such a word wordy guy, and you know, loved the Gus and Smith and Lloyd Collins commotions, and you know, yeah, I, I was really into words. I knew the words to every song. You know, they were as important to me as the as the music. 
So no one else knew the words. So I would be the one that would sing along. So we knew where we were. <laughs> and it kind of went on from there, really. And then I realised I didn't like singing and playing the guitar. I just it was a, I was kind of not very good at either of them. And it was like, this isn't, isn't going to make it any better if I, if I try and pursue both of these things as average things, you know. So I kind of, you know, we got, got another guitarist in. And it was like, we don't need, it was like, with the bass, it was four guitarists. It's like, I think that's too much. <laughs> so, uh, and I guess you know, I looked to kind of from people that I'd always loved and thought, yeah, maybe you can just prowl around the stage and sing, and it's, it's a lot easier. <laughs> and that kind of ended up the shape that we did. So everything was kind of a mixture of necessity and just happenstance, and influence, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, what was what was the stuffy song, incidentally, that you uh, are referring to? Well, the first one we did was A Wish Away. Oh, brilliant, so, brilliant. Uh, so, fairly obvious sort of, nice sort of three-chord wonder, but very clever, cleverly put together song. Great pop record, you know. Oh, it's a wonderful uh, tune. We also used to cover a track called Ten Trenches Deep as well, in a live set. We That's a great one. Yeah. Bit of Malcolm Treese on that one. That's fantastic, that uh, Ten Trenches Deep. Yeah, that's a B-side from the early days, isn't it, that one? It is, yeah. And obviously, you know, one moved started out, they just had a few singles out. So, I thought they were both eight legs, green machine, green style, the time that album came out. That's um, right. So, yeah, we were just, you know, you know, it was like you consumed, you know, you bought a single and you consumed the A and the B side as, 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 uh, as equals, I guess, in yes. most cases. So, you know, the, the, the era of the B side was, uh, you know, something that we don't really have anymore. That's oh. one thing I do miss, actually. That, oh, don't we? Don't you, know, you just. Track just... by track now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, or just the stuff is alone. I mean, you you wouldn't you would never have got an Astley in the noose if there was no such thing as a B side. Uh, all these all these well, gems yeah. that got chucked chucked away. Uh, so you've got to pay attention to B sides, but probably not so much anymore. But back then there was just gold just residing on the on the flip side, wasn't there? Often, more often than not, anyway. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of it marked you down as, as it was kind of like it marked you as like the level of fan you were. I guess. I, yes, absolutely. Well. Yeah. Like, yeah, you had that sort of, band, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've earned my stripes. I've got not only am I, am I a completist, but I know all the B sides, and I've got all the, I've got all the, I've got all the uh, the bootlegs, and yeah, it was a beautiful thing that ownership. The ownership just gave me the right, I suppose. Whereby now it's, it's on my it's on my Spotify playlist. It's not quite the same thing. Yeah. Um, um, St Stephen Street must have been an absolute joy to work with. Is that a fair comment? Well, I was. It, I was, mean, it, was it difficult? No, no, Steve was amazing. I think it just makes me think back. But I guess, I guess, I'll tell you what it was. I think I realised things were different as a band when, obviously, we'd, we'd, we'd signed to, to Polydor Records uh, for, for one of the better. Well, we had quite a few offers, but we weren't with Polydor anyway. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I really think anything about that particularly. You know, if it said, do you have a bad time? We'd sign. We didn't really either way. It was, we didn't really know what to do with us either. We were kind of left to get on with our own merry, merry way, and it gave us lots of opportunities. You know, we got to tour around Europe, we'd do some merry chain, go to America, and, and obviously, you know, all the other things that come with being on a major. We had some TV appearances, Reading Festival, Glastonbury. You know, all of those things that kind of, you know, gave you that you know, your rubber stamp, if you like. You know, you're one of the bands that's yes. meant to be covered. So that gave us a lot of good things, but. Um, but they didn't really do anything else, to be honest with you, apart from this one thing, which is they actually asked us, who would you, who would you like to produce your records if, if you had any choice? And so I just said, for a laugh, I said, Stephen Street, you know, because, <laughs> you know, he's made the, the Smithy Smith records that <laughs> I, I knew so intimately. 
uh, and the, the sound, the atmosphere. It wasn't the sound; it was the atmosphere on the track. I just thought was amazing. They were quite, still quite raw in a lot of ways, but moody with a with a nice sheen to them. And I just thought amazing. And then until two weeks later, you know, I get a phone call from Stephen Street saying I've been listening to your stuff and I want to, you know, <laughs> produce your records. And I'm like, what? You know, um, <laughs> and he was a joy to work with. He, I mean, uh, he was obviously very much in demand at the time. Very. I guess he was he was he was it was quite a com- quite a confident guy you know as, as I guess you have to be if you're you know being put up the tiller of a difficult parochial band or whatever to to go yeah. but I felt safe in his hands because I knew I understood the paradigm of a band you know and how that kind of worked and you know we weren't the best fit with each other in a lot of ways I was very wordy and quite fey and quite very indie at the time you know and Giles a genius guitarist was more into kind of ministry and sort of harder stuff so he had quite a lot of difficult not difficult he had a he had a, a challenge to kind of make that work i guess um and uh, it just made it very easy in the studio we weren't that you know we were a live band that was what we did we played gigs all the time yeah we didn't really know the studio that well you know it wasn't uh it wasn't a, a, a natural place for us if you like so what we thought the song sounded like <laughs> because you play them through you know what you hear through crappy monitors every night in a in a pub in Lincoln you know um <laughs> is what you think the song sounds like and then you sort of start doing the studio and you're like oh my god it's completely different it doesn't sound like that at all it sounds like this and I think that was uh you know a, a, a great moment I think he handled that handled that pretty well I have no kind of issues listening back to any of his uh production values. Oh, okay. We should probably play some of the songs a little slower at times. <laughs> Apart from that, <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was, yeah, great. It was great. It's funny how uh, a few years later when I was doing my promotion, I ended up um, playing Sunday Football with Steve <laughs> as well <laughs> in the same team, which was quite weird. That's, that's um, fantastic anecdote. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah. So I still saw him around. I haven't seen him for oh, quite a while now, but, you know, if ever we see again, we we'll definitely have a well, not right now, but we we'll have a coffee or a beer and catch up. I'm sure. Lovely. Well, I'm morbid curiosity. Are you a, a, a got a cultured left foot? Are you a midfield libero? Or what are you? Oh, you, you got it. You got it first time. I'm, I'm a cultured left. I'm a lefty. I'm a total lefty. So uh, over the years, I was a left winger. That was what I, was, I loved left wingers. Yeah. Uh, my um, my namesake Peter Barnes was my first sort of hero. Oh right. Um, and then. And then as a as a, as a Watford fan, you know the 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 heady days of the uh, the John Barnes era in the early eighties and the two two wingers, so Nigel Callahan became uh, my kind of you know not not a hero to many, but a hero to me <laughs> because his ability to run down that line, being trying to be chopped down and and just put it on top, put it on you know Luther or Ross Jenkins' head and just one nil, you know, it was yeah. amazing. So left, left, left sided, moved to sort of midfield and then latter years until I kind of uh, stopped playing with uh, obviously left back. You know, you sort of move backwards, don't you? <laughs> you, move, you move back towards the goalkeeper um, as you get older. Fantastic. So, yeah. well, we, we, we talked about Stephen, but, but of course the, the, the new record, we recorded it in Kent uh, and uh, that was with Callum Rafferty. Yeah. Now, was that, um, of, of course... 27 years, it's actually longer between records, isn't it? Uh, so that's 27 years between between last release and, 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 this, and this new record. Yeah, the last album release. Yeah, yeah. It's about th- well, we put out a couple of uh, records in the meantime, I put a couple of EPs out in 2016. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, like a live 
album, like a live in the studio album, just to kind of refresh some of the old songs. Of course. Um, and uh, sort of, I, I guess we thought that would be all we would do. We weren't expecting to make new records at that point, so we wanted to kind of have a, this is, this is what they sound like now, you know, kind of. Yes. Album, if you like, because it was, uh, you know, there was, there was a tame but different, if you like, so uh, it was quite nice to do that. But what happened with, uh, well, we, we, we'd, um, you know, I was pretty happy with the way that the, the Star Grazing and Deep Dreaming EPs had sounded, but yeah. I really wanted to try something a little bit different. And actually, it was a very good friend of mine, a guy called Carl, who I used to, uh, used to manage, um, and uh, he's got a new band, actually, that you'd really love. I'll tell you what, obviously. Um, and um, he, he was living down in Kent, and he said, uh, he, he said, oh, I've done these demos, can you have a listen? So I said, yeah. So he sent them to me, and I said, it's like eight tracks. I was like, these sound great. Just had a brilliant atmosphere on them. This guy said, where, where did you do these? He said, oh, there's a, there's a kid in the village. He's got a little studio. Um, and yeah, he did. I said, God, what did you do this over a week? He said, we did this in a day and a half, including the mastering. I was like, what? This is insane, you know? Yeah. So I thought, hmm. So I, I gave him a ring. He's, he's a fantastic, I mean, I don't know how old, I don't actually know how old he is. I'm going to get about 24 or something like that. So, what I really loved about the idea of maybe working with him was the fact that he was younger than the last time we made an album, in a way. <laughs> and I just thought, isn't it great to be able to go in someone who's less than half your age, who has absolutely no idea yes. or cares about <laughs> anything you've done in the past. And I think it was a big factor for us to make an album was that we really wanted to make it feel like our first. And in a way, we do kind of regard this as our first album in a roundabout way. And I mean that because it was the first time we've actually made an album as an album. Yes. We actually sat down and went, we're going to create an album. Let's make an album. And let's actually think about what that album needs to sound like and what kind of songs we need to have on this record to make it work as a record. And that was, that was a driving force for me, hugely, to make this record. Because we never really had that opportunity in the past. I mean, Hands On was, you know... As most debut albums are, it's a collection of the songs you were playing live at the time. That's it. You know, done in the studio. Yes. <laughs> and, not, and then he went back out on tour, you know. Um, and the and, and Mappa Monday was obviously, you know, a, a quite a fractured record. You know, things weren't going great um, between us as a band at the time. I think we just reached a, a point where we really should have just sat back for a while and told the record label we're not ready to make a record. But you know, you're under that pressure, I guess. Yes. Um, and it was kind of fractured either side of, you know, uh, a US tour. Um, and, you know, it, I, I honestly, honestly never listened to that record until 2015. That's My the first word. time I ever listened to that record. So, I, you know, it, it just goes to show that as much as I'm quite surprised, it's actually a lot better than I thought it was. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you. It's in our live set now, and it's like, yeah, it's It's a good record. It feels unfinished. That's the problem. It feels an unfinished record. Um, Yeah. It didn't quite reach the point that I wanted us to get to. So, for all those reasons, that was the fire to sort of make a new record, really. We're not trying to start a career again. Um, But anyway, you're asking about Callum. So, we. I just thought it'd be great to go in and just feel like this is completely, you know, he's got no idea. We're just some some old guys turning up in his studio. Um, and and uh, we were very fortunate to find that we'd actually come across a genius. Uh, it's just amazing in the studio. He, he kind of got the sound as we wanted it very, very quickly. Um, but what's really nice is he kind of, he uses the modern technology in a way, in, in a subtle way, 
it's not it's not slathered with loads of I mean it's quite an atmospheric record, that's what we wanted to make. So there's a lot of depth to the sound on the record and we really wanted that. Um, but he's he's very sensitive to keeping it as natural as possible as well. Um, so I think there's some there's, there's some modern touches to it which just make it sound so much better. Um, but he's also very intuitive, you know. We, you know, Giles is very good at saying it needs to be more jank, 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 jank. and he'd be like, he'd just be doing it while he's playing it and going, what, like this? And you're like, yeah, like that, you know. It was quite intuitive. So we made the album, we actually recorded the album in about eight days, eight and a half days, we had it all together. Crikey, so, that, that's remarkably, quick. remarkably fast. It, it's in keeping with the uh, with with the day and a half from your your, your friend recording with Callum. Well, this is that was another reason. I'm not one for hanging in the studio. I've got to be honest. I'm quite uh, I'm a bit you know a bit of a control freak about a lot of things and stuff. And I don't like going anywhere unprepared. We were very very well prepared for this. Again, technology being something that could really help us. I mean, I mean, me and Giles write all the songs, and you know, being able to do that over the net. It's just been a revelation for us, you know, because, you know, he'll throw demos at me, I'll right. muck around with them, send them back with new ideas. And so we're, we're pretty, you know, we are, we know exactly how that song's going to be before we go in. We just need someone who really knows how to make that, glue that together, yeah. you know, sonically and with the right atmosphere. So I don't really want to spend, you know, I've never been one to spend time, you know, like, late into the night with the, you know, the, the classic bottle of Jack going, I'm just searching for the inspiration for this, you know, middle age. It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> you haven't got a middle age, and going in. You know, that's <laughs> that quite perfunctory in that respect. You know, and we were nine till five. That's, it was it. Like five o'clock, he was finished. You know, like no nighttime stuff. And I actually really enjoyed that because we, we went to work, you know, and um, yeah, it worked out great. So I think he's got big things coming with that, that guy. Um, I'm just... Uh, you know, I just uh, happened to be kind of found him. Uh, yes. Nailed him down before he goes to big things. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I, I, because in all truth, I, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard of him, and you know, I like to think I have my finger on the pulse <laughs> with with producers and, and, and people of note, and never, never heard of Callum. It sounds like he is a budding, budding talent. Because yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, I, I mean, he, he has all different kinds of music. I mean, he's a, he's a guitarist himself, and he plays in quite a few bands and writes for quite a few people. He's one of those guys who I don't think realizes how far he's got already. If you know what I mean. Yes, <laughs> just, it's a beautiful. Kent, he's like, yeah, I'm going out and touring the bands uh, all around Europe in the summer. You know, like it's like working in a shop or something. <laughs> yeah, I love that beautiful. <laughs> you're like, you're early twenties, and you're like, he's like, yeah, I wrote all the songs for the main thing. So you're getting all the royalties as well. It's like, yeah. <laughs> And I love that kind of um, it's a beautiful, self, slightly self-effacing sort of thing. Well, it's naivety. It's beautiful. And the, you can only have that for so long before you get jaded, that's for sure. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm sure once, once, once uh, PRS don't pay quite right, it'll, it'll start to change. The <laughs> ones will start growing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I was going to ask you because in, in terms of the, you know, the vernacular that you've been using for, for, uh, concerning the record, the that is truly your sort of first LP whereby you've had this level of control. Now, you must, by virtue of that, have devoted quite a lot of time to the sequencing, uh, the track order of, of the record. Um, I would expect that you would have wrangled with that for a little little, little amount of time at least. Oh, it nearly killed me. I actually nearly abandoned the whole thing because I couldn't get it to work. Oh, dear. <laughs> it was... Uh... 
it was like, yeah, I mean, we kind of had, when I say we sort of planned it out, we, we, we did plan it out, but then obviously, like all these things, any creative process, it, it then sort of takes a life of its own a little bit. Um, I can't, and we've done all the things that I've really wanted to do with on the record, that, uh, that you know, as far as Sonic, lyrically, you know, and me and Giles, and, well, all the band, you know, we're all very, very, you know, pleased. If it ends up being our final legacy, I'm like, Great, this is this is perfect. Oh, perfect uh, final final hurrah, if you like. I don't know, it might be, it may not be. Oh um, no. So, so we so we you know, we put the record out and uh, sorry, we, we we put the record together and I just couldn't get it to fit. Um, as always as you probably know, we kind of always used to do reasonably short songs or ridiculously long ones. Um, and that's <laughs> actually quite hard to fit. And knowing that we're gonna make a vinyl meant that it had to fit with two sides. Of course. As well. So uh, finally it, it dropped into place and I was like, yeah, this is it, perfect. So, you know, I did see it as something, I've, I've actually, I've, I've literally got them right next to me here because they just arrived. So with, with every album, you're getting a, a, a postcard to Mrs. Uh, on there and it's basically just explaining that, you know, we're really happy that you, you bought the record. Um, but you know, but just explain this is actually designed to be listened to as one one continuous piece, not like a concept album. But you know, we know how hard it is for people to find. Yeah, it's not an amalgam know, 40, of singles. minutes or whatever, forty-five minutes to sit down. But if you can do it, just, it's just like, if you just do it one time, <laughs> you, you know, would really really appreciate it. Just one time, you just listen to it from start to the end. You might get what the kind of the, you get something else out of it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's so much, so, so much to be said for that. There really, really is that you've, you've you've adopted that approach and that you are. It's the first time actually I've I've heard of uh, of, of, uh, of of talent actually uh, imploring people to do that. <laughs> it's re requesting people. <laughs> well, you to... say that, but on our first record, we actually. Uh, I suppose. Requesting the record, we actually put in a. Uh, uh, two alternative uh, running orders. That's right. That's yeah. right. If you're, not, if you're not enjoying it this way, try it this way and this way. Yeah, yeah. it's always been with us. You're absolutely um, right. And absolutely. I think it's also the fact that we, as a, you know, as a, you know, we're, as you know, we're never a really big band or anything like that. But what we have been fortunate is that the, 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 the feel like the small band of devotees to what we've been doing are very devoted. You know, absolutely. We've managed to, and most of them are still, or a lot of them are still around now, you know, and we count them as, as friends as much as, you know, as, uh, you know, fans, if you like, you know, we, we, we stay in touch, you know, through social media, not like in a very overly personal way, but just, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly posting stuff and they get very involved and stuff. So I think we, we can, we can, we can do that, you know, we were never yeah. co-faced. I think we can say things like that. I've even got an explanation of the album title and everything <laughs> Just because, because we're almost this pretentious title about, so it's all that kind of thing. Oh, you've, you've got some You've got some Voltaireisms in there as well, have you? Because there's a, there's okay. a, there's a wonderful explanation of, of how you uh, came came up with the title uh, in, in in the the bio that I received, which I I, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't help smiling all the way through reading it, to be honest. Um, it, it, it makes me laugh when I read back when I read it back because it's just like God, I'm such a I am obtuse and pretentious at times, but I kind of like that. And I think it's always been slightly part of our thing. Maybe maybe I wanted to accentuate some of the things that I think made us a bit more different. Uh, and I like the fact that it irritated some, and others loved it. And I think yeah, we always had strange titles, words made up, wide shy, season stream. You know, these kind of things that exist. You know, we. 
so I guess I wanted to keep that running theme going and sort of, you know, I guess if you're in the know, I mean, absolutely no one who's a, a fan of the band at any point has gone, well, what's that all about? I've just accepted it wholly. Yes. It's cool, the Panglossy and Momentum, what, oh, what, yeah, it's him again, <laughs> going on about something. So, um, so the, for the, all the, those reasons, it's kind of, it just felt, it just felt right. It's, 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 I just, again, gave it a wry smile. So it, it, it is Panglossian, not Panglosian. Well, you can say Panglosian, um, I guess, but it's double S. So yeah, it's double S, it. so but it's, it's just one of those things, having never heard it before, so I'm just trying to figure out uh, the correct pronunciation without coming across looking like a complete Philistine. So Panglossian. Well, yeah, Panglossian, yeah. I mean, weirdly, I've seen it in, in the last year, it just seems to crop up in lots and lots of articles, maybe because I'm aware of the word. That happens. Know, but, um, that, that happens invariably. About, about this kind of sort of, yeah, I mean, the original basis of it around this kind of very sort of naive optimism um, idea, you know, uh, you can imagine around some of the political leaders that we have in the world now that the Panglossians use quite a lot. <laughs> Panglossian view uh, is, is, is spoken a lot. It's another reason why I need to really put an explanation because it wasn't wholly in that sense that I was using it because it's quite used in quite a not negative sense, but let's say more acerbic. Yes. Uh, rhetoric, you know, so I, I wanted to, you know, that's why I put momentum on it, you know, it has to be Pangosian momentum, you know, it's about it's okay to, you know, to, to be optimistic, I think, really, you know, it's okay. It is okay, thank goodness, you otherwise know, it's, it's fine, but at the same time, you know, being naively optimistic is, is kind of pointless, isn't it? It's kind of this wrestling that we always have between kind of, you know, I'm doing all my, you know, I don't know, I'm doing all my recycling, you know, so I'll help save the planet. No, well, you're not. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't recycle, but we know that. So we kind of naively optimistic, but, you know, the planet's not going to cave in on itself. You, you I'll, put some, you know, I'll put some papers in a bag, you know, and yet we know that it really doesn't really, in the big scheme of things, nothing's going to change things. It's, you know, large-scale industry, you know. And I think it's, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm sort of laughing along with that, but I do find this kind of, Slightly funny or slightly amusing that that we that we can be very virtuous on one hand and yet willfully naive, naive on the other about what the real impact of things really are. So I think it's something you realise more as you get older. You know, you become more annoyed. You just understand things better, I guess, and you sort of go, "This isn't right." I can't, I can't find yet another online petition about something. It's, anything, you know? <laughs> it's a full-time so job. <laughs> kind of idea really and that was the whole thing with the album really was a was a loose well it wasn't a loose thing but it was a, di- a direction a, a direction of travel was about you know as you as you sort of journey through life i guess you, you you're constantly trying to work work things out you know uh, and how things should be and where you're going next you know and it's where it's probably when you're when you're younger you're i wouldn't say it's prescribed for you but it seems bleeding obvious Yes. What you should be doing next. Next thing I should do is go to a pub. And that's about as far as you kind of thinking ahead, you know, or, you know, tr- try and buy that record. Whereas as you get older, you've kind of got a thousand other things to think about and, and the widescreen of life. Uh, and we, we're not really being equipped for it a lot of the time. So <laughs> I think I've just sort of heard, you know, the this kind of idea in my head that it was like, we just we are just basically going at everything with just like bloody mindedness and naivety, aren't we? Most of the time, we don't really know why we're doing a lot of things we're doing, 
um, we just kind of, if we keep bashing away, we'll, we'll break through, you know. Um, but then occasionally we do try and actually work out what's happened and why and stuff like that. So, again, I, I don't think, I can't remember if it's in the bios, but it, for me, it's just, it's just, this is me showing my working out, you know, like you used to do at school with your, with your, with your maths, you know, you have to show the working out as you get here. So, I think that was, for me, lyrically, the change. Well, you seem to me yeah, like yeah, a, an, an overthinker, and, and, and that's not a negative oh, trick, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very much an overthinker, uh, incapable of turning what's left of my brain off and, and, and seeing things through almost like calculus to the nth degrees to be able to quantify things. And uh, it can be the bane of your existence, it really, really can be. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely, definitely overthink, uh, and um, I think also coming a coming a, a, a university lecture in the last few years has hardly helped that <laughs> because obviously now I'm doing everything in a very prescribed manner, and you know it is about showing you working out, understanding processes. So maybe that's just uh, maybe it's a destiny. I don't know, but it is making me think in those kind of terms a lot, you know. And um, you know, I've always been really interested in sort of the, all the theories around sort of evolution and emotion and stuff like that. So I guess I guess all that kind of weaved in. And as you probably know, if you've read all my lyrics, it's quite it's all very analogy based. Yes. Kind of. Yes. The, the idea is that you can hopefully interpret this to suit you or something. You know, maybe you'll find something in this. So it's you know, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's riddled, but it's 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 meant to be. Uh, it's willfully vague at times, but if you dig in, you'll find that there's a theme there, kind of. Well, it's always been always been part of the the joy of of, of listening to 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 Thousand Yard Stare has been obviously the, the, the lyrical content. It's uh, obviously there's it, it's it's a musical it's a musical uh, outing, but uh, lyrically, I can't switch off. You have me mesmerised with the lyrics, and I'm and I'm sure that uh, you don't write anything as with a designer on, on the lyrics being throwaway. They're there. They're there for good reason, and you've you've, you've struggled with them, and, and they're there because they they should be there. And you're one of those few bands in in the realm of indiedom, if you like, whose whose lyrics were. I liken it to the, the lyrics. Uh, forgive me, this is a massive departure, Stephen. But uh, yeah, when, when you listen to Rush and you listen to the lyrics that Geddy Lee is thumping out, that were listen that were written by Neil Peart. The, the drummer. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's as easy for me to extrapolate Rush as the written word as it is musically, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it does. And uh, well, thank you for saying all that, first and foremost. And secondly, I take that very much as a compliment. Um, I mean, you know, I grew up, you know, I was, obviously when you're, when, you're, when you're a floppy indie kid, you don't really, well, I was at home, I was listening to Marillion and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. I was very much into the wordy, the overwordy. People were obviously going up with, you know, you know, Smiths and stuff like that. And even some of the early hip-hop records where there were telling stories, you know. It was like, for me, the words were always... Paramount. For me, it was like, it was like the, the, the words, the words were, the, were the words on the page and then the, and the, the picture, yeah. you know. And that's the way I saw it. And the two, I just, I could not like a band if I thought the words were rubbish. I just, if they were all a throwaway or pointless. It just it made no sense to me. Do you know what I mean? I and do. That could be something really simple, pure pop song by the Buzz Buzzcocks, or it could be LL Cool J, or it could be Meridian. It doesn't have to be one one style. It just needs to paint a picture for me. And if I don't get a picture, I don't really know what I'm into. Unless, of course, I listen to repetitive beats in a club really late at night, in which case I don't care. <laughs> uh, don't do that anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's got to be evocative, hasn't it? There's got to be there's got to be something evocative, otherwise it's pointless to, to me. I, I'm I'm of that uh, that school of thought as well, for sure. I've got to be able to yeah, take, I mean, take... yeah, I do. I mean, I do pour out possibly to almost the point of ill health sometimes with the with the lyrics. I mean, I, we've we've got we've had two or three songs that got scrapped because I just couldn't. I was like, no. There's a couple of songs. There's a couple of songs from the old days where. I do cringe a little bit when I sing them now, uh, through the line. But that, but then I realised, you know, that was me when I was like 22 or 21. You know, it's like time and place. Accept it, you know, <laughs> it's For sure, for sure. Well, on, on that note, I was going to ask you to 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 help me. I was going to ask you if you could curate three songs from the catalogue, old, new, otherwise, that you'd like me to uh, to play surrounding the interview. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, oh right. Put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, have a little bit, but that's okay. Um, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a nice variety, but um, that's probably not going to work. Okay, well, I'll do it off the top of my head then. So, going back towards the... I'll do it from... I kind of... All right, let's break into sort of three parts. So, in, in the first... The first song where I thought, ah, oh, I think we might be quite good, was Buttermouth. Okay. Um, and, I, and I think the reason why I loved that song so much was it doesn't even have a chorus. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an absolute, it's an absolute mess of a structure from start to finish, and um, you know, and I ended up coming up with this, but put a match to it thing at the end because I thought it was quite. I just got was that something that <laughs> got a bit of a catch to it, you know, somewhere in this song. You know, it's kind of converted a really long bit in the middle, which is a mixture of the wedding present and the cardiac kind of smashed together in some kind of convoluted way. Nice. And then an outro with, with the big sort of, you know, big banging on about putting a match to it. And I just think there's something about that song that I thought, I don't know, I'll tell you what it was. It wasn't that I thought, oh, we're really good. I thought, oh, we're different, aren't we? <laughs> and that's what it was. Yes. But we're not like other bands in lots of ways. Um, so, so Buttermouth was, Buttermouth. so that was the epiphany uh, to say, hang on a minute, we're different. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, so yeah, that was the one because it's not immediately apparent that it's that different. It's just another indie song. But actually, when you pull it apart, you go, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, <laughs> you know. Um, and it still doesn't make any sense. You still laugh about it now. What, what, what makes me think, yeah, that works. <laughs> but, it, but, uh, but that's what happens when you're in a room together, but, you know, day after day after day, you know, just what you did then, you know, you just jamming, really. If you listen to a lot of the early songs, they're, they're, they're jams, you know. I mean, Wonderland is just a riff that I came up with. Giles actually made it sound decent. And, you know, it's, you know, it's a pretty, it's an acid, acid house record in a way, isn't it? it it's, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a dance, riff. it's a dance so track. It's in the middle. I mean, it's a structure. Yeah. But that's it, you know, it's, um, not an indie record like, like No Scar for Richard Tom is a very structured indie song, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, that's his power, I guess. But um, anyway, back to what you're asking. So, so Buttermouth, I would say, from that kind of earlier, for that reason, oh, we're different. Um, I'm going to pick a song that um, I've definitely fallen back in love with, mainly because, no, I haven't fallen back in love with it, I fell in love with it because I'd forgotten it. Uh, oh. It's from Mappa Monday, and it's a song, song called Tragedy Number no. Six. Okay, yeah. Uh, and um, I think because I don't at the time, and obviously having spent a long time having locked all of the CY stuff in a box in the back of my head for over two decades, that fear of listening to Mappa Monday again, or for the first time, 
And I was immediately drawn to it. Well, I thought, actually, this is a good track. Oh, I remember thinking it was a good track at the time. <laughs> um, and I really just like the sen- sentiment around it. I like it's, it's a it's a kind of a it's a slightly more tongue-in-cheek lyric in a lot of ways. You know, about sort of someone going off the rails in a small village. Um, so it was slightly a de- not departure, but let's just say one of the more quirky things I guess I would write about. Um, and I just think it's actually a great song. We've been playing it live, and it's become Smashing. it's become one of the favourites now. It just can't can't ever leave the set. You know, everyone calls for it now and stuff. So I think the fact that that's been kind of resurrected, so it almost feels like a new song uh, again. Uh, so probably an odd one, but I'd probably choose that. Um, and then I'll probably I'll choose something from a bit more recent. I could take something from one of the EPs, but I think I'm going to go with uh, It Sparks. Um, which was the first track we released from this fourth, from the forthcoming album, um, and it released last September. Yeah, so I choose that one because it is probably more of a straight up indie anthem. It's it's, it's positive. Uh, I love it lyrically. Uh, I think Giles plays amazing guitar on it. I think it's, and I think basically it just heralded to the point where we went, ah. We can make an album, can't we? If we can make something this good, we can make an album. So, I think that's kind of got a special uh, sort of place. We'll always have a special place. So, I guess those are kind of, in a way, some sort of milestones. Lovely. Well, thank you for uh, going into journey. thank you for going into detail instead of just rattling out three songs. That's much appreciated. <laughs> um, I've got. I've, well, I've, you probably get I talk a lot, right? <laughs> no, you're loquacious, but you're not overly loquacious. So there's a, there's that fine there's that fine happy medium that fine point. Um, now I've got one last question for you, and I, I've always yeah. asked this to 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 uh, artists that I've interviewed, and will continue to do so. It's 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 serious cultural relevance, but it has absolutely nothing to do with music, but um, is, is is valid nonetheless. Um, it's hypothetically you you round my place with a hot beverage in your hand with the band, and uh, I, I come out of the pantry with with the, the magic biscuit tin, and uh, and and I ask you quite simply, what biscuit would you choose? Anything on God's green earth, biscuit or biscuit related, what would you choose? Well, it's a very easy answer for me, although you may say it's not. Oh, actually, no. No, I'm going to change that. Uh, it's going to have to be a dark chocolate digestive. Okay, dark, 100%. dark chocolate digestive. Not milk. Not milk. Yeah, I, I, I've, 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 I've got dark underlined and, and italicised. Uh, and it has to be the movies as well. Can't, uh, can't have anything else. No knockoffs. It's a classic. Okay, that's great. No what, knockoffs allowed. We, that would be the one. I like chocolate beers, and the digestive is just the classic biscuit, right? I can't argue with that. Uh, I can't. I've, I've got this. Uh, this quite uh, as, as the audience are sick of me telling them. I've got this uh, intricate in, uh, infographic of uh, all the artists adjacent to their biscuits of choice, which I always uh, try and send through. So I'll, 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 I'll be sending you that. And you, <laughs> from from memory, I think you're in fairly good company when it comes to the dark chocolate. Uh, uh, digestive from from memory, but uh, but, but but I'd, I'd I'd love to thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm delighted. I'm delighted that you're back, and I'm delighted uh, that that uh, you're more than suitably happy with with the, with the forthcoming new release, and and can't wait to, to to share it with everybody. It's going to be uh, it's only what uh, just over three weeks away, isn't it? It's yeah, it's been a long time coming, but it's finally it's finally here. So I'm literally right here, surrounded by uh, vinyl CDs and new T-shirts and everything, and I'll be packing them up in the next week or so, uh, as you know, as the uh, cottage industry that I am 
um, and and start to get them out. So uh, I haven't announced anything yet, but maybe some people might get it a little bit earlier. My word, just depending on your posting, and, and of, of course, the best place to procure this is through the Bandcamp site. Uh, yeah, or uh, currently, if you want the vinyl, it's our Big Cartel website. If you go to our our, our, uh, our website, you like, um, which is bandsandtheunstair.co.uk, yeah. uh, there's all the links there. Perfect. Um, but it will be available on Bandcamp on the 29th, but currently, if you want to pre-order, it's all with uh, Big Cartel. Also Big Cartel, um, great. But, uh, but yeah, uh, come come and uh, come have a listen. Um, uh, we're putting stuff up on uh, social media all the time. It's mainly Facebook and a bit of Twitter. I'm kind of trying to inter- integrate into the Instagram world. It's just uh, I've run out of arms. <laughs> 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 so, um, there are so many broadcast media. We have media. quite a lot of banter on uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, so it's Anthony Oster official. If you're if you're interested, come and. Come and join us there. Fantastic. That's the way to keep abreast of anything and everything Thousand Yards Stair. Thanks so much, Stephen, and uh, I'll be in touch I'll be in touch imminently with regards to uh, to broadcast. Beautiful stuff. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. 27 years. They've been away. They're back with a bang. Welcome back. Welcome back, Thousand Yards Stair. And let's hear something off the Pangalosian Momentum, the third LP, their first in 27 years, out just a matter of days ago on May the 29th. Let's hear the lead single and teaser track for the LP, which was released last autumn. It's Sparks.
follow Thousand Yard Stare at facebook.com slash Thousand Yard Stare official. Buy their material at thousandyardstareuk.bandcamp.com. The new LP, The Pangolosian Momentum, is out now as of May the 29th. Get it, snag it. That's its Sparks that we just heard. And we also heard Tragedy Number no. 6 and Buttermouth by uh, Thousand Yard Stare. That's it for episode 146. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed bringing it to you, listening to the records and uh, listening to the likes of Mr. Stephen Barnes too. Do me a favour, spread the word of the programme. Anyone who likes music, let them know about it. Anyone who you think needs a bit of musical assistance, let them similarly know about the existence of the programme available on all platforms, Spotify, you name it, everywhere. In the meantime, look after yourselves, be healthy, be uh, be smart, and uh, and uh, be locked down if you possibly can. And hopefully, we'll be out the woods in a few weeks. All the best. Talk to you later. Ta-ra.